my dad called him, I talked to my headmaster, and he said, you know what, let's see if we can you know, uh, do something about it. And he applied for a grant on my behalf, and it came through. So my entire universe was paid largely due to his effort, and how could I forget that? So I went back and paid him a gratitude visit. I fell on my knees when I saw him. And this but um, he played a huge role in my life. Um, I did tell him about a funny story that happened because uh, he pointed me a prefect. And I said, do you remember that there was one night when we sent everybody to bed and then we snuck out, I snuck out as a prefect to just kind of cram my material in because my exam was around the corner. And I did it with a friend, and while we were studying, we got hungry, so I cooked some Malaysian noodles. <laughs> and I got it all cooking, and then we heard at about one in the morning, footsteps. And uh, then came the knock, and it was him, Mr. Downing. And it was with his dog. He opened the door, and he was completely shocked. He said, and what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, uh, sir, was studying. And he said, is that all? I said, yes. And he saw our books and everything. And he said, well, I suggest you go to bed right now. And as we were about to, his dog, because we hit our noodles when he knocked on the door, behind the door, right? And as we were saying goodnight, his dog came right in there, did a U-turn, went behind the door, and started licking our food. And he gave it a good lick, both of our plates. And then he found out what we were doing. He said, right, just go to bed. And then after he went, I couldn't bear eating food that was licked no. properly by the dog. Would you? No. Well, guess what? My friend ate his portion. <laughs> on top of that, he ate mine. <laughs> and I told him the story, and he just burst out laughing because he said, I can't remember that. <laughs> uh, so we had a great time uh, just being together, and that was wonderful. This is my family. I don't know if you can see that in the, with the glare. Uh, but that was me, happy, my wife, this is my first grandson, Oliver, nice British name, <laughs> my son, daughter-in-law, their first child, Haley, and then of course TJ and Sonia, and then the baby, Esme. So, three grandchildren, and TJ and Sonia gave me a t-shirt that says, Good enough, grandparenting. <laughs> this is a closer shot of uh, the two of them. Aren't they wonderful? They look like me, don't they? <laughs> and this is baby uh, Esme, a nice French name. All right. And uh, I want to try and uh, refresh. And I'll tell you this, okay? We've had a very, very hard two-year period. You all agree with that? Yes. Some of you, you know loved ones that have passed away. Some of you went through financial issues. You've lost your job. Some of you have got issues, I don't know, with maybe health issues. Uh, maybe issues with, with, with your children. Who knows? It's been a very, very hard year. And when I was going through a difficult time myself, this topic, this brought a lot of strength and motivation, and I want to share it with you. 
And uh, nothing will refresh you more than if you get into the Word of God. During your difficult times, get into the Word of God. And if you do, let me tell you, you, you will relate to what it says here in Psalms 19. For the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing, refreshing to the soul. And um, I love studying about God. Because God won't disappoint us. People will. People will hurt you, even good friends. At some point in time, they will say something that will hurt you. But if you can get and understand God, an unchanging God, you will get energized. And that was so true for me, at least. And unfortunately, our idea of love is taken, is drawn from the world, isn't it? The world of romanticism. Okay? The world of our secular culture, music, movies, what have you. There's, there was a, a song that went viral when I was a teenager. I think a lot of you people can relate. And it, it, it says this, love me is never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> that went viral back in my day. Okay? But that's how they define love. And, uh, but you know what? God's love is different. Now in the English language, unfortunately, love has been stripped out of the, the depth of its meaning. Everything is love. I love ice cream. <laughs> you know, I love my dog. And if a teenage boy has this fuzzy feeling towards a teenage girl, what do they call it? Love. But what about the other extreme? When a spouse grows older and one of them becomes terminally ill and the other looks after them and exhaust all of their finances just to get them through. And you know what? That happened just recently with this lady that I know very well, many of you know, Guillermo and Terry Adami. Mm -hmm. And she was bedridden for three years. And then one of our closest friends, and uh, Karen and I just took the opportunity to just fly there to San Diego just to see. And that was Guillermo exhausting all of his resources, resources and to make huge adjustments to his schedule just to attend. You know, you get to a point in life where that's all you can do. She passed away um, sometime last year. And it was wrong. But the thing that inspired me so much was how much her husband loved her to Absolutely amazing and inspiring. And um, you can study, these are all the uh, familiar components of God's love that we use to, right? We're so used to hearing his what? Forgiveness. We get reminded of that every week. His blessings, his believingness, his kindness, his vastness. But today, 
I want to dive deeper and help you understand his loyal steadfastness. It's a component of God's love that gave you so much motivation. Now, who will find the most interesting thing? There is a word in Hebrew. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Douglas is. But I studied this one topic so much. I was so intrigued by it. I don't know how many articles I read. And it's the word in Hebrew, chased. You have to kind of pronounce it from the back of your throat. Okay, the Scottish can do that very well. I don't know about the English. Chased. And it's not just about, I love you because I feel like it. It is a love that is based on loyalty. And loyalty is a huge part of it. Huge part. And it's about being committed. Now, this word is so deep in its meaning. There's no one English word that is, that is its equivalent. None. I was like, what? Really? The closest is the word truth. Old fashioned. From where we get the word being truth. That's the closest. Now, when do we hear the word truth often used or not used? When we attend a wedding, right? Let me read this to you. I take you to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for for richer, in sickness, to love and to cherish. Till death do us part according to God's holy law. And this is my solemn vow. That's the closest we hear in English about chasm. In Hebrew, all of that summarized one word. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah! Then I started to think about this and study, well, let me study out God's chassed love for us. And I was so unbelievably, you know, refreshed. Because love is based on feelings. That's what we hear all the time, right? I did a marriage counseling with a couple not too long ago. And she she told me, I can't stand my husband. <laughs> I, I told her, give me a rating from zero to ten. How do you feel about marriage? Zero is like the bottom, ten is like maybe the day we are She said, Is there anything below that zero? <laughs> I said, Well, that's a nice start. <laughs> And she said, I can't stand him. You don't understand. He's a blank, blank, blank. I want, I want him. I said, what do you want? I want him out of the house. 
And I said, but you have kids, right? And she said, yeah. So I said, are you okay if he is your neighbor? And she said, yes. I said, well, the Bible says, love your neighbor. <laughs> and then she said, but I, I don't want him around there. I can't stand him. I don't want to talk to him. I don't like him. I said, so basically, he's your enemy. He said, yes. I said, well, the Bible says, love your enemy. <laughs> so she couldn't get away from that. <laughs> but, we, but so many people base love on what? I got no more feelings. How about this? I got no more feelings for God. If that is your idea of love, you need to understand chasen. Because it's about commitment, it's about loyalty. It doesn't matter how I feel at times, but I'm downright committed to you. There was another guy that I studied the Bible with. He's an engineer, professional engineer, over in Singapore, he's an American. And I said, how's life been? He said, horrible. I said, tell me where you're in life. He said, I've had two divorces. I said, okay, we've already had a few studies. I said, so tell me, what did you learn from it? He said, it's just bad luck. I said, what? Bad luck. I just got two horrible women. <laughs> I said, <laughs> let's, let's do some studies here. We studied and then finally he realized his own shortcomings. And right after he got baptized, he got transferred all the way back to Houston. And uh, it was such a difficult separation. I loved and invested so much in him. He went back to Houston. And, and everything we taught him about his, you know, his shortcomings, his sins, he had a, a very good awareness about it. And then he realized, well, it wasn't bad, huh? It was him. So he went back to his first four and said, hello, I'm Mike and I've changed. She just said, please get out of the house. He said, can I just take you on a date? She gave him a chance. They went on one day. He told them everything he's learned. He did the same study basically. <laughs> but for himself. I did this, I did that, I did And she was so blown away. And then he invited her a second date, third date. And then it so happened. About two years later, I was going through Houston. So I called him up. I said, Mike, it's me. He said, you got to meet somebody. Where are you? I'm on one end of, of Houston. He drove, knocked on my door at midnight. I thought this was some gangsters, okay? I thought, well, I'm ready to use my Kung Fu if I need to. He came knocking and said, John, I want you to meet this man. She was the one that I was my first wife, but we're back together. Amen. I tell you, Hasan is very, very powerful. Where they are, he understood love is not what just feelings. It's a loyal commitment. 
Jewish people got that. Yeah. Do we understand that? And I gotta tell you this. I will introduce you to God's love for us. Hasen Because I think so many of us, we think God loves us based on his feelings. You know, being a good boy, I think he kind of likes me now. Oh, I messed up. I don't think he likes me. I don't think he'll accept me. Oh, shame, guilt. And then, no. Understand his love for you. Understand Hasek's love. Do you know this word Hasek in Hebrew is used 243 times in the Bible? 243. In the message translation, I love this. Your love. So your love, Hasek. Has always been our lives on this. Your fidelity has been the roof over the world. I will declare that your what? Hasset stands firm forever. Yes. It's not just love like the way you and I would know love in English. You understand? In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's it's that deep commitment, loyalty. And Hasset, bottom line, if I could summarize, is this. A love that will never let you go. A love that will never let go. I'm going to hold on to you. Psalm 63. In your generous, what? Chaset. I'm really living at last. I'm living. Finally, why? Because I understand Chaset. His love for me. Whoa, it's so deep, it's so firm, it's so loyal. That refreshed the writer of the psalm. Because of your chaset, your chaset is better than life. Amazing. A love that would not let go. And one of the best books for this is the book of Hosea. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Have you ever read that book? Oh, it's incredible. And to me, it's one of the saddest books. You know what? Because it's a book about God loving his people and the people that were mm -hmm. One of the most painful experiences is you love and then it's never but here's the funny thing about Hosea. Hosea came after Amos. Amos is one of the strongest groups. I mean, Amos was a strong guy. He preached hard, you know? Hosea came later and his tone was completely different. Completely different. It was affection rather than accusation. Moving rather than moving. And what did God tell Hosea? Basically, God was telling Israel, what happened to Allah? How I married you, what happened? 
because it was a message to the ten tribes of Israel. And they were completely unfaithful for generations. And finally, God said, what happened to our marriage? And then God got very, very angry. And, um, and God actually said, well, I'm going to let Israel know how I feel. So what did he do? He told Hosea, go marry what? an adulterous woman and then he did and they had three kids son daughter son first son name him punish would you like to name your son punish <laughs> i punish can you come over here you deserve a spank second one lo hu hama i will no longer show love that's the second name. Third one. That second was a daughter. Third one, a son. For you are not my people. And I'm not your God anymore. First chapter was like. <sighs> now, I have to ask myself this question. Why did God make Hosea marry an adulterous woman? Because there are several reasons. But one thing. So that Hosea can heal. And then, as a preacher, I think he'd be a better preacher. And the other reason is for Israel to see and witness how he felt. But because God has chassad type of love, he kind of changed his mind in chapter 2. Look what he says. I'm now going to what? Allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak What's wrong with God? Chapter 1 was like Right? Chapter 2 It's okay You know why? Because I'm loyal I know what you do I'm mad I will never let you go. A love that will not let Angry? Yes. Frustrated? Yes. And you know what God says about his anger? His anger lasts for two or three generations, but his love lasts for what? A thousand. Whoa. That is chesed. You mess up, yes, it will pain him, but he's going to come after you because why? He has that chesed type of love, a love that will not let go. So that's what he did in chapter four. Then chapter two, our word. I will what? Betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I'll betroth you in faithfulness and you'll acknowledge the Lord. Can you imagine God? He just won't let go. They were as unfaithful as they could be. Chapter 4. 
I'm telling you how unfaithful. This is what I call the bill of divorce. You know, God will then revisit and say, all right, here's what you did. So everybody look at this list. No acknowledgement of God, cursing and lying, stealing adultery, lack of knowledge, ignore, ignore the, the law of the Lord, sinful priests, consult idols, exodus, exodus. That was the bill of divorce. That's the point. And then God changed again. Chapter 11. How can I give up on you? Why was he like that? Hasan. It's a love that's not based on feelings. It's I'm committed. Because we made a covenant, I'm committed. Now let me ask you, if you get that about God, how would you feel about your own sin? How would you feel? How many of you can say you had a fairly sinless year in 2021? <laughs> How about 2020? How about 2019? Do you understand where I'm going here? Some of my worst years was like the last few years. I don't wish to repeat it. It was horrible. My marriage went through its worst time in the last few years. And I wanted to quit the ministry. I thought this is it. I, I gotta go. I got so discouraged. I've been in the ministry over 30 years. Ministry can get to you. Are you with me here? Mm -hmm. Many of you pulled the plot earlier on. Good job. <laughs> well done, Brian. <laughs> And John <laughs> but it can it can get you. You know what I'm saying. Not everybody in the church will like you. And you know, if I went through a hard time, and I gotta tell you, understanding God and that He will not let me go, refresh it wasn't the magnitude of my sin. Magnitude, look at this. What David? Can you compare yours with this? So that means the worst thing you've ever done in the last few years. If you can just say, God, okay, I'll come back. Guess what he will say? Yes, come. I will betroth you. I want to allure you. Come, come, come. But why, Lord, I messed up. I wasted so much of your resources, so much of your blessing. Because I have Hassan. <laughs> and here it says, My compassion is aroused. <gasps> After all that, that's Old Testament, right? <laughs> And people say God was mad in the Old Testament and he repented in the New Testament. <laughs> what utter nonsense. <laughs> now, here is where it gets practical. Ooh, are you ready now? 
That was just the appetite. <laughs> this is where it really hit me. <coughs> Are you ready? You know, one of the best display of facet between two people was between Ruth and You know the background? Naomi lost who? Husband. First son. Second son. All gone. Resources for her to just have a livelihood was cut off. Gone. She had nothing. Left with two daughters-in-law. Who were they? Orpa and Ruth. You know what she said? She said, I beg you, just go. If you hang around with me, you get nothing. Like me more a book. Just go. I want nothing to give you. Go, 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 go. You see that passionate plea in chapter one of, book of, of the book of Ruth. You know what Orpha said? Okay. You know what Ruth said? Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from where you go. I go. Where you stay, I stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I die and there will be more. Hassan. A widow. I know where they lived. The whole world must have forgotten about them. Who knew about this? God said, That's my woman. You're going to be in my holy scriptures. And the primary reason I read is because she demonstrated Hasan. What did Naomi give her? Zip. Only problems, pain, burden. But Naomi, Ruth said, No, it, it doesn't matter. I'm committed. <laughs> Now, where does it get really challenging for us? Now let's go to the New Testament if you don't want. Alright? You have heard <laughs> that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, by the way, let's just stop there. You have heard. I used to think that meant the Old Testament. I'm changing my view on that. I believe right now it wasn't the Old Testament for a number of reasons. First of all, if Jesus wanted to refer to the Old Testament, he would have said it was written. And secondly, in the Old Testament, I don't find anything saying you have to hate your enemy. So this thing about, when did they hear this thing? You have to, what, love your enemy and hate your enemy. Maybe it was a bit of both, you understand? Bit of Old Testament and bit of their oral tradition. That was the norm of the day. So Jesus was challenging the norm of the day and said, you have heard what? But I tell you, love your enemies and what? And pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect. Therefore, as a heavenly father, 
It's perfect. Doesn't matter what they do to hurt me, I will not. Send rain, send sun. We take this so much for granted, but God does it every day because of His Hassan. And now, here's the challenge you demonstrate Hassan to each other, and, and then Jesus and you be sons of God. Oh my, that means we need to be regarded. Do you know what I'm saying? As his son, I have to do what? And show Hasset to them. And to each other in the church. I can't stand that bloke. He hurt me. No. That's the love from the world, from the secular world. I'm introducing to you Hasan. Hard. So hard. But that is what we're called to do. God's generosity is very inclusive. Isn't it? So beautiful. Wow. That's what he wants. That's what it's one. Alright, one of the norms that we hear about today. Church is just about God and me. So I don't want to really build any relationship with people, right? I got hurt. They burned me. I don't want to burn anybody and I'm done. So I just come to church worship. That's not true. If you don't have one other relationship to the way the New Testament man, you're missing that. Are you with me? Yeah. There are over 50 one another verses in the New Happy church just be about you and him. If you want people in your life, you have to ask for it. That shouldn't be. I'm just trying to bring this out for your kind consideration. That was valid. Amen? For your kind consideration. Is this your attitude? Well, I don't want anybody in my life because I didn't ask for it. On your bike, Mike. <laughs> if you have Hasset, you're loyal to each other. Why? This is a family. This is not a, you know, a club. I'm committed. You're a brother and sister. I'm committed. I'm going to ask you how you're doing. Not because some leader told me to. Not because I could tick a box. But because I'm trying to be like God. Who showed me Hasset love. I now must demonstrate Hasset to each other. What's the norm of today? If you don't respond, leave them. Who cares? I tried. How many times? Twice. I can't miss. I can't believe it. They didn't return my call. Unbelievable. Bad. Do you know? We live in a day and age. Have you noticed how quickly we get offended? Yeah. Really fast. You don't return my call. You know what? And then that's it. 
This is this is the calling from God. A sad kind of work. It's very challenging. I, I'm not saying this that I do this perfectly. Okay? But it's there. If people are difficult, then leave them be. We just carry on. If you have problems, then go for therapy. <laughs> I want to tell you a story. I have been trained to be a schema therapist. I did a lot of research and work in this field, field of parenting, in the field of, of marriage. And I've been trained by a um, probably one of the best in the world, less clinician in the world, Dr. Jeffrey, Columbia University. Do you know what he did? He decided to treat the most difficult people in the entire world. That's how he started his therapy. The most difficult population. People with personality disorders, in particular, borderline personality disorder. You know how hard it is when someone has that? Everything triggers them. You don't look at them right, they get angry. You know, you leave them, they'll feel you abandoned. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you if you give them a present on their birthday, they say it's not good enough. That's that's their tendency. Difficult. Well, he felt that all mainstream therapy didn't work. So what did he do? He thought of these people and he said what they need is a parent. A parent now to meet me. So I sat at his feet and I got trained and he told me you need to do a lot of unlearning. And you need learn to be a parent with them, a parent that never. And he calls that limited dependence. So in therapy right now, we we have to be like a parent that they've never had. You understand? Now, we can't be exactly like the parent because we're not, but we have to be like them. Now, here's what he told me. He said, because I asked him, how long does it take to treat them? He said, you really want to know? Twice a week, about four years. I said, excuse me? Twice a week, four years. And he said, what happens is the therapist who's like a parent meets them, and he does limited reparenting and they can slowly and steadily they help them be healthy. How? Regular meetings. You gotta have regular meetings. And let the therapist's words come out and let the patient internalize the words of the therapist. You know what I'm saying? Little by little, by little, by little, by little, four years teaching. And I sat with Dr. Jeffrey and I said, can I tell you about my church culture? I said, we meet twice a week. He said, really? Yeah, we have midweek and we have Sunday. And we have small groups. He said, really? He said, I need to read about your church. And I told him the whole thing. He looked at me and said, has a lot of people changed in your church? I said, he said, that's because you have not just limited reparenting, you have intense reparenting. <laughs> and he said, keep it up. This is how people change. And that made me think, you know why God wants us to be committed to church? 
or so that I can tick a box and say Jesus is Lord. So that my leader can report good statistics, rubbish. It's because you and I can get better. Yeah. So that you and I can get better. If, if the culture is healthy, yeah. if somebody is willing to get involved in our lives, are you with me here? Yeah. And slowly, steadily, Conveying the healthy measure, bit by bit. Oh, you fought with your wife. Well, let me help you see where you've gone wrong. I know you don't agree, but here's something to consider. Mm -hmm. Next week, hello, how's it going? I gave you a little homework. How did that go? <laughs> but why do I do that? Because I am Lord. Do you understand? Yeah. Whether you like it or not, that's fine. But I'm committed. I'm going to show up. Unsolicited. Imagine if we all did that with each other. I tell you this the most difficult to treat among us will get better. And I've seen that. But people who move away from church, that fellowship, you will suffer. Because you don't have someone asking for that question. Are you with me? How are you doing? How's your purity? How's your integrity? How's the marriage? How's this? How's that? Somebody is going to do it. And I think all the stuff about COVID, we have to be isolated. I get that. I understand that. I know Science tells us we need to do that. But the after effect of that is we pull away from our fellowship with them. Are you with me? Yeah. Acts 2.42. What's the first word used to describe the early disciples? They were? First word. Devoted to what? Apostles seeking fellowship, breaking bread. Break. Of the four, two are about one another. Fellowship, breaking bread. No surprise they got better. I am now of the conviction that's how the early church got better. That's how people changed and stayed changed. Because of the intense chassette, agape love that they had for each other. And they constantly reminded each other of what was right, what is healthy, what is spiritual. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whether it's through informal talks, fellowship, or formal lesson, or class, they got so much of it. And when you get so much of it, truthfully, you don't need the therapist. Say me, the therapist. Because someone is in there. I marveled at the wisdom of God. Ah, that's one reason why I play such a Do we take it for granted? Even online can make a difference. Are you with me? All right. Just stay with each other, helping one another. Okay. Now, let's lastly apply chesed to the unchurched. You have got to love people. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm not challenging you because it's a church culture. Put that all aside. I'm saying get to the scriptures. I mean, be like God. Amen? Amen. 
Hasset. Loyalty. Love. God will not let me go. I'm not going to let him go. And then, in the same way, I will not let others go. Are you with me? I'm going to keep one another. And if you're leading a small group, love them. Teach them to love each other. Don't let anyone go. And then, with the unchurched, be committed to them. Be committed. Karen and I, we, you know, we were reaching out to a lot of people during COVID. And um, I want to show you this picture. This, uh, oh, yeah. Finally, I had to do this. I had to say, can we study the Bible? I had to do that because it, you've got to bring the word of God to them. And they said yes. We studied and studied and studied. It's now 2022. Last Zoom call. We want to get baptized. So fired up. And they're so attached to Karen now. Because we're now based in Dallas. They said, we want to fly all the way to Dallas to get baptized. I said, what? I'm like, what if something happens on the plane? <laughs> so excited. Ready to make Jesus the Lord again. I said, I want to go to the sinless again. Make sure you understand remorse. Make sure you understand God. How many years did it take? 2007. You know what I'm saying? We did some chasta. Now, you've got to understand, okay, if you love people hard enough, okay, deep enough, they will make it. These are some of our plantings in Malaysia. We sent this church. You've never heard of it. Saranga sounds like a name of a soup. No, it's just the same. <laughs> Kuching, Malacca, 2008, 2009, 2016. Do you know in Saranga, you know how many people went to the mission team? Husband one. That's it. She came to me and said, I'm from Saranga, you know, I cast a vision to the whole church. Maybe go and saturate our cities. She responded. And she said, I want to come, go there. And I said, okay, why do you want to go there? My family grew up there. I want to reach out to my family. And that's it. They went. We anointed them in the name of the Father, the Son, and blessed them. <laughs> and off they went. They, didn't, they don't have a lot of training. They just reached out to the neighbor, reached out to this. You understand? Kids went to school, reached out to the parents. Love, it was chaseh, all the way. You know, 2008 till now, okay, 20, what, you know, 11 years, um, you know, it's 12 years, I mean, look what has happened. This church, that's the city here, Surama, okay, and they now have a church of like 25 people. It little by little. Are you with me, everybody? Twelve years of work. Two couples to about twenty-five years. 
may not seem very impressive. I'm telling you, if you go through hard times, that's pretty impressive. Amen? Amen. I just want to show you stuff in perspective. Then we started another church here, Kuching. Do you know how we started that church? Online, I kid you not. We didn't have a leader there. We just decided to take a flight to Kuching. All of us book our flights, and when they open for booking, the flights are really cheap. They're like five dollars each. So our whole gang of about twenty from the churches, we paid like ten five dollars, and we all went there. What did we do? We got contacts of people who others in Kuching followed up on them, met new people a whole weekend. Then we had one church service. Just one church service from the week from the neighbor during the weekend. They came, maybe at ten or so. Kept up with them and studied the Bible with them online. Now, guess what happened? First baptism came. Second. Third. Then we did the reverse. Then we said, well, now you need a leader. It's amazing how you can walk the other way around. We sent a leader. That church grew little by little. This is the church right now. That's Stephen George and his wife. Those are all the people that came from online. Do you know what I'm saying here? Online. Hey, are you with me here? People, some were strangers we met over the weekend and said, can we just have, you know, a session? And we did a Bible study. I'm saying, would you just step out on faith and love? Things happen. And that was the, the, the Kuching Church. And this is our latest one, uh, the Malacca Church. That's a brother. He's been involved in about four plantings already. So he's really experienced. So he went there with this one, two people. 2016. What do they do? Love, love, faith. And now that's like 10. Okay. I want to now go to this man. You recognize this one? Let me move aside. Recognize this one? These are the four different colors representing the four locations of ministry in Canton. If one couple just took on a village, and by the way, can someone go to Barnstable? That's where my school is, my, my headmaster. By the way, I'm going to do all my studies with my headmaster. I'm going to try and like But you know, if we could just do that, what can we do? Are you with me? Somebody just move. Well, two is really hard, bro. I'm a fellowship kind of guy. All right, take four with you. How about having four in one city? We're so used to the old kind of thinking. You know what I'm saying? We need 15. We need a huge budget. We need someone anointed of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then give him a jacket. He's now an evangelist. And then have, you know what I'm saying? And then the gong. And then the drums to roll. And then set them off. Hey, hello. 
with love and faith and with just a little bit of training you can do the lot. Are you with me here? We didn't grow in leaps and bounds, but I'm just saying you add two or three in like eight years, it's tough. By the end, 2030, what can we do? If each of you just pick a city, you regroup, you talk to each other. Are you with me here? Why should you do it? Because of God. Because you're eager to teach the world about the Hasset kind of love. That just needs to be the motivator. Nothing else. Not because the leadership is telling you. Just from your heart. We've been involved in too much structure in the past. Are you with me? So do it from the heart. And dig deep in the Bible study. Understand God's love. Show love to people the way he commands us to. And I'm telling you, little by little, we will saturate this whole I told people that we have the resources. Look at us here. So many sharp people. So many good people. But our faith got that. 2022 needs to be a year when we step out. Amen, everybody? Amen. Not because someone told us, but because of what? And I hope that has refreshed you somehow. And brothers and sisters, let's really step out of faith, but let's love one another. Amen, everybody? Amen. Let's be there for each other. Let's demonstrate a set kind of love and not let anyone go. I love you all. It's a great privilege and honor. Thank you, Chin and Chavon and Malcolm and Kidu for writing the brief. Love you.